John chapter 4. Now, last week we recapped our missions trip to Columbia, uh, and the team got to all share um, their experiences, and we just had a wonderful time down there. Uh, and I just want to go ahead and say it again this, uh, this week. If, uh, if you've ever, never been on a missions trip, you need to go. You need to go, and we're going to go again next year. I don't know where we're going, um, but it'll probably be about this same time next year. So um, just go ahead and get your plans made now. Go ahead and get your, your passport now. Go ahead and start putting a little bit of money aside now. How much is it going to cost? Well, it's going to be about $1,100. It may be more than that depending on where we go, but I'd go ahead and start saving about $1,100 right now because uh, the team that went will, will testify again if I let them. It changes you, doesn't it? And, it, and, it, and it's such a good change um, uh, for the better. And to see people uh, ministered to and impacted with the gospel is wonderful. Uh, and when you do it in, a, in another country, it does something on the inside of you. It, ta- it brings something out of you and lets you actually, what it does is actually lets you see uh, what you're really capable of doing here in America. But when you take all the limitations of like, well, uh, what do these people think about me and that kind of thing, when you take all that off and you can actually flow in what God's created you to be, you minister on a whole different level, and I'm sure every one of the team would agree with me. It's a different flow, um, but it's good because that's what we're supposed to be flowing in over here. Amen? Praise God. Well, uh, I started, though, the week before that, actually a couple of weeks before that, talking about uh, a vision that the Lord gave me in the middle of the night. Now, I'm not one to just build doctrine and build basis of everything that you do on a vision because I think everything should be built on the Word. Come on now. That's the, that's the true foundation if you can't find it in Scripture, you ought not be saying it. But it does say in Scripture that young men shall see visions and old men shall dream dreams. And I thank God I'm still having visions. <laughs> I'm, I'm a, that's the first one, really the first one I've ever had in my life. And um, so um, we're, we're, we started talking about that, about how I would see people coming through the doors of the church, different walks of life, different places, different races, different creeds, different colors. I mean, all walks of life, fat people, skinny people, short people, tall people, ugly people, pretty people. I mean, it was just as far, I mean, just every kind of walk of life you can imagine. And when they'd walk through the door, many of them, I could see through them. And when I could see them, many of them were completely empty. Some people would come in with about a quarter of a tank. It looked like the old digital, the old digital um, uh, fuel gauges in like the 80s. Uh, Pontiacs especially had those, but GM has them a lot too, uh, a lot of General Motors cars, uh, the digital fuel gauges. And some people would come in, and it would be a quarter, and it would be blinking. And then some people would come in with about a half. But hardly in, nobody was coming in more than half. And almost everybody that came in was coming in empty um, with, the, with the blinking. And it looked much like this. And uh, last week, we, or the last time we were together, we talked about... Um, getting uh, to the first quarter mark and if because the church at most a lot and here's what the lord told me behind that vision is most people are coming to church expecting the church to do all the filling for them and it's much like you know i told the story about when i was a kid my parents used to give me their gas card once a week when i first started driving they give me their gas card once a week and you got to fill up once and that was it you didn't get any more if you needed more than that you either had to put it in yourself um, or um, get your friends to, to give you some money or something. And so all of my little $3.35 an hour job that I was bagging groceries at my uncle's grocery store, uh, almost all that was going to, to gas money because, I, I mean, I had a Firebird, you know, like Knight Rider. 
Come on, anybody else child of the 80s in here remember Knight Rider? Yeah, and uh, the little red light on the front. And um, mine didn't drive itself or talk to me, but I imagined it did. Um, and so, um, so, but I had, and those things are not gas-friendly. And I guess I never learned my lesson because I still don't drive a, fa- a gas-friendly vehicle. But, um, but uh, usually by about four or five days, I was getting down into the red zone. And I would always have to ask my friends for gas money or I was putting my check, you know, my check was putting money in there. And, uh, and so, uh, and, and it's much like that, though. A lot of people are dependent on the church to fill them up. And that's not what the church is for. The church is not to fill you up, and the church is not to be the place where you are majority of the time being fed what you need to get from the gospel in in a relationship with Jesus. We are a supplement, and we are to equip you for the working of the saints, or for the perfecting of the saints for the working of the ministry. But, But we're not supposed to feed you all the time, and we're not supposed to fill you up. And at most, we're going to get you to half. You come to church and I preach real good and it bears witness with your spirit or, or I come to church and we just have one of them services, you know, where the anointing is so thick you can cut it with a knife. If it's one of those, you're at most going to get half. If we pray for you uh, and preach a good word, you're going to get about half of what you need. And if you go all week without filling yourself, uh, you're, you're going to come back in, one of those people, with the flashing empty on your life. And so we started talking about the input of the Word, that the input of the Word is the most important and gets you the first quarter, um, because when you come to church, um, you ought to come with something to base what we're talking about on. I shouldn't have to be so elementary that we're really starting from scratch every service. Okay, now don't get me wrong, I I like to explain some things. Um, I was a teacher at a Bible school for 11 years. I can't help it, that's just my gift, that's who I am. Okay, but you ought to have some basis, and if you're born, if you're a new Christian, uh, we'll get you into the habit of building, you know, the basis of doing things on the Word. But that's what we we're talking about. You've got to put yourself in the Word first. The Word has to get in there, and you've got to start filling yourself up with the Word first. That uh, I said to you this, and this was the big important thing, and we'll move on. Um, the, the, there is, uh, the Word is all-powerful. We, we will never tap the limits of how powerful the Word is, Okay. But there is a portion of that power that is a specific measure, and this is all it's for. It is for you to have, it is to strengthen your faith so that you can wield the rest of the power in your life. If the power in the Word of God is there and it's unlimited, if you can't wield it, what good is it? I mean, seriously, there, we, have, we have people in the world right now that know that there's power, that God is powerful and, and he's all-powerful and the word's all-powerful, but they don't know how to access and they don't know how to use it and they don't know how to get that power into their life. Why? Because they're not reading the word, they're not putting the word in, and so they don't have any strong faith. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that's what it's specifically designed for is to get you strong enough to wield the rest of the power that's in the Word. Now, this week we're going to talk about... Now listen, when I was a youth pastor, we talked about this stuff all the time. This was 90% of the messages I preached as a youth pastor. How do you become a strong Christian? Well, you pray and read your Bible. (laughs) I mean, but you know, we're saying it a little bit different. The second part that's going to get you to the halfway mark, at least to the halfway mark, and depending on how you're doing, it may fill you all the way up. But uh, the halfway mark next is spending time with God yourself. 
You know, uh, I mean, I, I, I've heard so many people say, well, you know, it just, it's, it's really hard to get in the presence of God because they don't sing my favorite song or they don't sing the style that I like. Or, or you, know, you know, I mean, I was driving down the road the other day and this, my song came on and it was, it's like God only lives in this one song. <laughs> Until that one gets old, then God moves into another song. Then that one gets old. And then, well, I was feeling kind of retro, so I, I went back. And you know what? God had moved back into that old song over there. And the thing about it is, is God doesn't live in any song. God lives in you. And in order to get into the, the presence of God, you have to do a couple things. You're going to have to worship God yourself. And that's where we're going to start at today. And the first thing I want to say to you is you've got to understand that worship or spending time with God is a spiritual thing. It is not a physical thing. That's why God doesn't live in a song. It's not a natural thing. It's a spiritual thing. And that's why, you know, has anybody ever been driving around in a car and had no music on and God sits in the car with you? And you kind of go, whoa, hey, hi, how are you? <laughs> it's a spiritual thing, all right? There's a lot of scriptures in the Bible that talk about spending time with God, uh, praying in spirit, and most of the time, those things usually have something to do with direction for our life, all right? So spending time with God is a spiritual act that has spiritual results. Worship and spending time with God actually cannot be comprehended with the natural mind. To fully experience the fullness of God, you cannot think of it in purely natural terms. Why? Because God is much bigger than that. Jesus said in John chapter 4, verse number 24, For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now think about that. We must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now how do you do that? How do you worship something? Is it just the, the spirit of worship? Is it just the, man, we're, just, we're all about worship today, God. Look, we're in the spirit of things. That's not what he's talking about here. It's not the, the spirit of worship. It is actually worshiping Him in the Spirit. Why? Because God is a Spirit. And guess what? So are you. Now this bothers people when you start talking about that. Oh, you're calling me a ghost or whatever. Listen, you are a Spirit. And you have a mind and you live in a body. Now this may sound elementary to some of you, but if you're going to understand how to spend time with God, you have to understand your physical body, the only thing it has to do with it is the fact that it doesn't want to do it. <laughs> your physical body does not want to worship. And how many of you would be honest now? You're in church, so you better tell the truth, all right? Will you go to spend time with God or worship God, and your body just doesn't want to do it? You might find your, and find your mind start wandering somewhere else? Come on now, be honest. Anybody ever been there? Or you start getting sleepy and tired, and you just like uh, you start thinking about something else, something more fun. This would be much more better than this, and it's because your flesh doesn't want to do it. It doesn't have anything else to do with worship, unless you make him. Okay, uh, we make the mistake all the time of trying to use natural methods to bring spiritual results. A.K.A. I got to have my favorite song on. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with having worship music playing while you're spending time with God. Nothing wrong with that. But if you rely on that, that's a natural method that you're trying to get a spiritual result out of. I should be able to spend time with God with no music. 
I should be. I need to get to a point in my life where I can get into the presence of God and believe and experience the presence of God, whether there's no music playing or my favorite song is playing. Why? Because it's not a natural thing. It's a spiritual thing. Right? A lot of times we do other things. We say, oh, if I could just be good enough, like we have to prove ourselves to God. If I could just be good enough, maybe he'll bless me. Oh, you know, if, if I could just give enough. You know, if I give sacrificially so much so that it hurts, maybe he's going to dump the blessing out upon me. These are all natural things that we try to do. Okay, well, I went to church Sunday. If I could go to church and prove, see, I went to church. That's a natural thing. If I could just give up this habit or if I could just stop doing this, then God will bless me. Then God will reward me. Then God will move in with me or whatever. I want to say to you this, that is a backwards way of thinking. You cannot be good enough naturally to bring about spiritual results in your life. God, being a spirit, is looking to change your natural. Let me catch that. Let me catch that again. God, who is a spirit, is looking to change your natural, not use the natural to change your spirit. It's backwards, okay? All right? We have to learn to look to the spiritual side first. Romans chapter 8, verse number 11. All right? If you're going to spend time with God, you have to understand it is a spiritual process. Okay? Verse number 11. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies Now watch this. How does the life come to your mortal bodies? By this same Spirit, come on now, living within you. What is this scripture saying right here? The Spirit actually affects the natural. The natural does not affect the Spirit. We have to look to the Spirit first. Again, the only thing your natural body is going to do is not want to be there. Okay, But how many of you know, just because you don't want to be there and your body doesn't want to be there, that doesn't affect whether or not God's still on the throne. It doesn't affect whether or not God's power is is now short-circuiting. It's still just as powerful as it ever was. He is still as strong as he ever will be. See, and it does not affect the spiritual, it affects the natural. Okay? So, if we're going to do this spiritually... How does this really affect us because we live here in this natural world? Well, to to look at that, let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Now, if those of you who are are, uh, been raised around denominations, some of you start getting hesitant when you start talking about 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 because, well, those aren't for the church today. They are very much for the church today. The whole Bible is for the church today. If it's not for the church today, then why don't we just go ahead and tear it out? <laughs> why does the Bible have it? Why does it come with it in there? It does, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 12. Now, he's talking about speaking and praying in tongues here. For he who speaks in tongues does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. Now, watch this. Underline this next part right here. However, watch this, in the Spirit... That's the part I want you to catch. However, in the Spirit, He speaks 
mysteries. Now, most people get hung up right there and be like, well, see, it's kind of pointless. We don't know what we're saying anyway. He speaks mysteries, so it's kind of pointless. We're going to get to that. 1 Corinthians 14, let's drop down to 14. 14, 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. What mysteries or what things are you praying about that you don't understand? If we're praying out mysteries or things we don't know about or things we don't understand, what is the point of this? What is the, what is the point of praying to God in spirit? If we don't understand it anyway, what is the point? Well, to answer that, I'm going to answer that with more Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, flip back about uh, 12 chapters. And let's just look at this here. Because this is what gets you to the halfway point, spending time with God, all right? Yet when I am among, uh, verse number 6, Yet when I am among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this uh, to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten no the wisdom we speak is the there's that word again mystery of god his plan that was previously hidden even though he made it for <coughs> excuse me our ultimate glory before the world began but the rulers of this world have not understood it. Now, I want you to, if if you're using the New Living, that's what it says there, understood it. Underline that, all right? They have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the Scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. Spending time with God in the Spirit, is revealing the deep secrets or what's really deep in God's mind. Okay? So what are the deep things that are in God's mind? Now, if you read on, and we'll we'll, we'll read the rest of this in a minute, but it talks about the deep things of God or the deep secrets of God. And is it okay? I don't ever go deep very often. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm just not a real deep guy, but this might be a little bit deep today, so you might want to pay attention. Okay. <clears throat> this one was blowing my mind when I was reading and studying this out. Okay, what are the deep things of God? What, what, what are they? Because immediately your mind will go to the craziest and wildest and the most perplexing things that you can think of. And you think, what are the deep things of God? Well, I don't know. Maybe it has something to do with the cosmos and all of creation. And maybe it has something to do with, you know, mysteries that are in the the Hebrew text that we don't get, you know, because we don't, you know. And maybe there's, you know, what heaven's going to be like. That's what the deep things of God are. The inner workings of his kingdom, you know, like rank of angels. And, I mean, you've heard all kinds of people talk about all kinds of crazy things. You know, what the real, you're not going to catch this in the Bible because this is real deep. Now, let me just talk to you about the, the way angels are ranked. And for your love gift of $5,000, I'll tell you the whole thing. (laughs) The future of the moving of the spirits 
how oh the deep things are what he's going to do next or 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 you know oh, the human race what is the the future of the human race what is the prophetic word that is a real deep thing of god can i just tell y'all something none of those things are deep none of them they might be deep on a topical basis but they're not the deep things of god anymore you know why because he's already expressed those things. Anything that God has already expressed or created is not deep anymore. And when I say deep, it's deep in his mind, deep to him. It's something that's still in there. No, the cosmos, he's already said it, already created it. It's already out there. It's already, it's already there. Guess what? Not deep in his mind anymore. Have you ever said something and then you can't take it back? <laughs> it's out there, isn't it? <laughs> elephant of the room <laughs> you kind of kind of make a joke and you were kind of joking but they were real self-conscious about it like yeah i like your white shoes <laughs> what's wrong with my white shoes well it's out there now can't say anything about it it's done this is exactly what it is all these things that we're thinking is this deep you know cosmic thing out there god already said it it's out there he can't take it back it's there it's not deep in his mind anymore it's not the deep secrets of god anymore we may not understand it all, but it's not deep. Oh, but it's got to be Scripture and the Hebrew text. Listen, if it's in Scripture, it's not the deep things of God anymore. He's already said it. It's already out there. Well, uh, how come people aren't, aren't getting it yet? You ever told a joke to somebody, and then like two hours later, they went, Oh! That's what's happening when you, when you get something from the Word that you didn't get before. God's not revealing that to you. You just finally understood it. Now, I want you to catch that because it actually says that there. They actually use the word, if the rulers of this world had understood. They didn't say if it had been revealed. They said if he had understood. Okay? Why, what's the difference? Revelation is something that's unveiled to you for the first time, and it's the first time it's being said. I mean, it's like a grand reveal. You know, when they, they unveil a new car at a car show and they pull that tarp off, that's the first time anybody's seeing it. Anything that's in Scripture or anything that's in creation that we discover or understand, does, it mean, it's, it's not in God's mind anymore. It's not deep there anymore. He's already said it. So what are the deep things of God then? What are they? <clears throat> Let me say this before we move on, because I'm going to get to what they are in a second. Everything that is still that is unveiled, everything that's in Scripture, everything that's in creation, is still is just as much powerful as the first day he said it. So I don't want anybody to think that the only way you're going to encounter the power of God is by finding out what these deep things are. No, the, the, they, are they contain just as much power as anything new he's going to share. Okay? They're still as, just as powerful as they ever were. Okay? But here it is. Turn over to Jeremiah chapter 29. Here is what the deep things of God are. Are you ready for this? Some of you might be disappointed you're thinking it's going to be something else. Verse number 11. <clears throat> for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Let's just stop right there. We don't need to read the rest of it. Who knows the plans? Who does? Does anybody else? Nobody else does. 
He does. So what are the deep things of God? The plans, here it is, catch it, the plans that he has for you. You better catch that. Y'all still aren't getting it. <clears throat> the deep things of God are the plans that he has for you. You know why? Because he ain't told nobody else those yet. He hasn't informed anybody else what those plans are. He's still sitting on those, and they're secret. They're deep in his mind. Oh, I thought it'd be more than that. You better understand what I'm saying. The deep things of God have specifically to do with you. So what mysteries, what deep things of God, what, what is praying about these things that we don't understand? What is all that? We all think we're influencing the whole world and steering them. No, we're praying out mysteries that have to do with, come on, us. When I pray out mysteries and I speak out mysteries, I, I, I am speaking about things that have to do with me. When you pray and spend time with God, you're getting things that have to do with you. Anything else, listen, if, if, if it's for the whole world, we can find it in Scripture. If it's for the whole world, we can find it in Scripture. We can find the plan of God for the rest of the world in Scripture. Why? Because he's already dictated. He's already said, this is what my will is. So I don't have to go and ask God, God, reveal to me what your plan is. I can turn over to Revelation and see what the plan of God for the end times is. I don't have to go and ask God. I can ask God to help me understand it. But I don't have to ask him to unveil and reveal it to me. It's not deep in his mind anymore. Oh, well, Lord, I need you to unveil to me what you're, what you're doing new in the Spirit. Well, he's only going to unveil to you what he wants you to do that's new in the Spirit. I don't know if you're catching this or not. Okay. Our future is the mystery that you pray out when you, speak in, when you pray in tongues. The deep things of God that we don't yet understand uh, about our future, that's the deep things of God. Spending time with God is you finding out what God's plans are for you. Let me say this, and this blew my mind when I was sitting there thinking about it the other night, and I was, I was praying this out, and the Lord was dropping this on me. He was like, you know, you're what I'm thinking about in my deepest of thoughts. <laughs> Let that sink in for a second. You are what God is thinking about in his deepest of thoughts. You know what I mean by the deepest of thoughts? Those, you know, when nobody else is around and you're just thinking, your mind is going over, and that thing you keep going back to and you keep thinking about it, and you, you're it. Somebody better catch that. You're it. You are what he's thinking about all the time. You're the one he is smitten with, newlyweds. You're the one, date, folks that are dating, you're the one that he can't stop thinking about. You are. How do you know that? Does anybody else know those thoughts? <laughs> he's, he's the only one. His plans for you, his leadings for you, his reason for making you, everything he has in store for you is still deep in his mind. That's the deep things of God. God is putting a whole lot of thought into your life. So how do we get that revealed to us, Pastor Brent? 
Well, you're there. Uh, you're in First Corinthians chapter two. Drop down. Let's look. Let's continue reading on here in verse number ten. Now, I want you to catch this because earlier in this scripture, we we saw where if the rulers had uh, the rulers of this world had understood what they were doing, they wouldn't have crucified Jesus. So, I want you to notice it says understood there. But now, check out what it says about us. Verse number ten. But it was to us that God. Now, what's that next word right there? revealed that's the same word as revelation same word okay god has revealed these things how by his spirit how can that be possible for his spirit searches out everything and shows what's that next word us god's deep secrets no one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. But check this out, verse 12. And we, cool, somebody needs to catch this, have received God's spirit, not the world's spirits, so that we can know the wonderful Things that God, come on somebody, has freely given to who? Us. This is why you spend time with God. Your time with God unveils more than a prophecy over your life ever will. Listen, I, I appreciate the office of the prophet. I do. I, I worked for one for 11 years, the leading prophet in the land. Anybody, anybody, you name them. When Brother Hagin was alive, I don't care who they were. If they wanted to know what was going on, spiritually speaking, they called Brother Hagin. And you could name the names of the biggest of the big, Billy Graham, Oral Roberts, Kenneth Copeland. They all called Brother Hagin and be like, uh, can we get your input on a you know, little spiritual uh, tone of what's going on right now? Kim Clement. I mean, I could name them all. They all, all the prophets that you see on TV, they all called Brother Hagin. I need to come meet with you for a few minutes. I worked for one. I appreciate the office of the prophet. But I want to say this. The office of the prophet can't tell you everything about what's going on in your life. It's a movie trailer at best. It'll give you the highlights uh, and the low spots. It's not going to give you everything. It's not going to give you the deep thing. It gives you the preview. It gives you a, a sneak peek behind the curtain. But our life with God is the full movie. Our time with God is the full feature. This is why we spend time with God. It is the, it, this is why we use the words personal Savior and personal relationship. Come on, this is why we use these kind of words. Why? Because the things that God are thinking about has to do with you specifically, and nobody else is going to get the whole picture except you. And I will say this, if you're dependent on somebody else, you're only going to get small pieces of it here and there. If you come to church here expecting this church to give you everything, you're going to get small pieces. That's what half tank at best prophets i don't care if they can read your checkbook numbers i don't care if they can tell you where you live and never met you before i don't care if they can tell you 50 things about your personal family that nobody else knows they're still only hitting the high spots the only way you're going to get the full picture of what god thinks about you is by you spending time with god yourself 
Prayer is the personal relationship builder. You aren't just... Here's where, here's where it's different from reading the Bible, okay? The Bible is for everybody. You know, I know that we like to claim scriptures for ourselves and say, oh, that's my scripture right there. Well, it really, I mean, it, it, may, it may be for your life right now, but you know what? <laughs> that's not just your scripture. That's everybody's scripture. Anybody that wants to believe it, it this is for them, okay? It's, it's, it's not your scripture. It's everybody's scripture. It's for the whole world, okay? But here's where it's different. You're not just reading his letter from him. You're spending time with him. How are you doing that? In the spirit. And by doing so, your spirit is becoming more like him. You know, you can't know somebody unless you spend time with them. You can't know if there's something right unless you're around them. Now, we have some newlyweds in here. It's so funny that both of the pastoral staff members are both newlyweds. It's so, it's like I can pick them, can't I? Um, <laughs> but we have other folks in here that are new, newlyweds or uh, and a lot of other folks that are married. Then we have some people that are just never probably going to get there. So I'm not saying who. Um, but no, I'm just joking. I'm totally joking. Um, God is a God of miracles. Anyway, so no. <laughs> totally joking. Um, but now check this out, y'all. Check this out. All right. Those of you who are newlyweds or dating or in a relationship, remember when you first got married and you were first at the house with them by yourself, just the two of you, okay? And you're, you're walking around and things don't feel right all of a sudden. It's like, and you start making these kind of comments, what's wrong? Now, when Jody and I first got married, Jody, Jody's already left to go to the house to get the house ready for her, so I can tell this about her. <laughs> um, when Jody and I first got married, that was, I got asked that question all the time. She's like, what's wrong? And I'd be like, nothing? What are you talking about? She's like, well, it just seems different. I'm like, well, it is different. You know, We're living together now. And, and so you, know, you, you first have that, you, know, you have that, 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 that period there where you're really, really, now you're really starting to get to know each other. You know what I mean? Y'all remember that? Nobody remembers that, or you're not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm sitting on my hands. It's always been just wonderful, and we've never had any unusual awkwardness, and it's just great all the time, and it's never been, you know, okay. Uh, some of your all spouses are sitting next to you. You better not raise your hand. You know. um, but the thing is, is when you first start getting to know each other, you fi- now check this, you finally catch that person for the first time where they really aren't thinking about you while they're with you. Anybody, okay, y'all don't know what I mean by that? I, ladies, I'll just tell you this. We, we weren't thinking about you the whole time while you were dating, while we were dating. We just weren't. I mean, there were some times we were thinking, huh, I wonder if those underwear on the floor there are clean. Should I pick those up? Probably. I mean, that, I mean there are things that we're thinking about. I read an article last night. Oh, it was on Facebook. It made me laugh so hard. It was about this, this couple, and it was like her diary versus his diary. And it was like, oh, did anybody else see this on Facebook? Oh, it was so funny. And it's like sh- her diary was like this long, and it's like 
I picked him up from work today, and he just seemed real distant, real quiet. And I asked him what was wrong, and he was like, nothing, nothing's wrong. And so then we went to dinner, and he was still kind of just distant and didn't really say a whole lot. So I asked him again what was wrong, and he just smiled and patted me on the hand and said, it has nothing to do with you. Don't worry about it. There's nothing wrong. And so we, we went through dinner, and he just seemed kind of distant again and, and was just kind of zoned out. And, and so we paid the bill, and we went home, and, and we sat down, and we watched TV, and he, you know, I told him I loved him, and he smiled and looked back at me and said, I love you too, but it just didn't feel like his heart was in it. And it was just, I, I just know his heart is belonging to someone else. My world is falling apart. I'm crushed. I cried, and then I went to bed. All right? Then it said, his diary. My motorcycle wouldn't start. I don't know why, dot, dot, dot. Now, you might be saying, what does that have to do? Listen, you don't know really how God works unless you're spending a lot of time with him. You don't know what he's saying to you on a daily basis. If you're coming to church and expecting me to give you the leading for your life, you don't know what he's saying to you. There's no way you're going to know if you're doing something wrong and you're getting out of the will of God if you're not spending time with him. There's no way you're going to know God's doing something right for you if you're not spending time with him. Okay? There is so much that God thinks about you that he hasn't told anyone else, and you're on, you've only caught so small, little, teeny pieces of it. So when you spend time with God, you're actually learning all of these things. I'll close with this statement. It actually confirms you're a Christian even more when you spend time with God. Acts chapter 5, and we'll close here. Verse number 30. I'm closing my Bible because i got it written on my iPad. Chapter 5, verse number 30. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead. <laughs> I love the way they're, they're talking here. I think this is Peter talking. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the, the dead after you killed him by hanging him on a cross. I mean, isn't that just so... <laughs> Shame on you! <laughs> okay. Then God put him in the place of honor at his right hand as prince and savior. He did this so the people of Israel would repent of their sins and be forgiven. Now catch this. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, catch this, who is given by God to those who obey him. When you spend time with God in spirit... It confirms you're a Christian even more. Why? Because he's given it to you because you obey him. This is what gets you to half a tank. This will put you here. So that when you do come to church, at most we're giving you the rest. At most. You need to spend time with God, and not just spend time with God with a, you know, a real, yeah, God, yeah. We need to really dig deep and spend time with God in our spirits because we're wanting him to dig deep and unveil things to us. We're wanting him to reveal things. Well, you know what? You need to dig deep and spend time with God. And, and, and some of you that have never been filled with the Holy Spirit, you're missing out on a whole dynamic of, way, of a way to spend time with God. Amen. And that's what makes these, this, all these scriptures we read, talking about in spirit, in spirit, in spirit, in spirit, is for you to understand the deep things that he's got for you, where he wants you to go, what he wants you to do, how he wants you to do it.
What's it going to be like when you get there? Don't buy this. Do buy that. Stay away from this. Go over here. Those are the deep things in his mind. And you'll get that if you spend time with him. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I'm done.